0: Good evening, Miss Evelyn.
1: Good evening, Joe B.
0: How's your hammer hanging today?
1: It is pretty good. I'm tired because I've been trying to uh, clean out my garage. Mm. And every once in a while you get to the point, it's like moving. Pretty soon you get to a room and you just want to throw everything away that's in the drawers. You're tired of trying to figure out what to do with it. That's why I'm in the garage.
0: Half of what we got in the garage is stuff we've thrown away four or five times.
1: Oh, at least. At least. And I was doing really good about three days ago. Man, I was just tossing everything. But now I'm beginning to get, you know, where the old pictures are and, you know, things like that. And you think, well, when we move out of here for good, I'll just wait till then.
0: Well, you know what you're doing. You're just holding things so that... Uh Sammy and Kim and John and Joey and Chelsea and Kelly can throw them away.
1: <laughs> they won't even look at them. No. no. They won't even come to see what there is. No, no, oh. no.
0: I can see all of them calling Sam and say, burn the place.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So where's how's your hammer hanging? You know where that comes from?
1: No. Where?
0: Whenever I was a boy growing up, my... Uncle Everett, Dad's brother, Everett Browning, was a uh, jack-leg carpenter, handyman carpenter. And you know, in your bib overalls, you got that little hook on the side of your bib overalls where you hang your hammer. And he had a man of few words, never talked very much, was very, very silent. He was that silent type of guy. And we would be whatever we were doing, but he would always, whenever he'd see me, he'd have this little smile on the corner of his mouth, and he'd always look at me, and he'd always say, "Uh, hey, Browning, how's your hammer hanging? Mm -hmm. And that that was our greeting.
1: That's really weird. I didn't know that Mm -hmm. he originated that idea. I'm going to look it up. To be sure. (laughs) No,
0: no, it's not. It's something that he generated himself. If I have to explain it to you,
1: you don't have to explain it to
0: <laughs> Kim, me. Kim says that it's uh, no, it's kidding. lost all of its hanging whenever you <laughs>
1: <to> <laughs> yeah. require
0: when you require graphics too.
1: That's true. Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry.
0: Do you have any greetings from any of your relatives that uh, is is memorable?
1: Oh yeah. Do you hear that one? Yes hmm yes. That's that's me pointing my index finger at you, just pointing. Yes. That's the most memorable one. From my dad. He never said anything. You'd say hi and he'd just <clears throat> wave that finger at you. Yeah.
0: Roy Payne, quite a unique individual. We lived in North Carolina, we lived in San Diego, and we would drive in, especially from North Carolina, and we would go in for the holidays. And the women, you, Chelsea, Casey, Betty, and uh, whomever, uh, sometime I'd guess Lori would go with you. But anyway, you guys would take off and go to St. Clair shopping. And that left Roy and me at home in the farm place. And it was always winter. And you would leave about 7 o'clock in the morning And I'd go in and settle down in a Lazy Boy, and he was on the other side of the room, and his Lazy Boy watching his Western Channel, and there would not be one word said to each other till about 11 o'clock. And I would say, Roy, do you think it's lunchtime? And he'd take that index finger and just put it up in the air, and then kind of point it toward me. And that was it. I'd get up and eat, and then later he'd get up and eat a cracker or whatever he ate. And then about 4.30, we'd do the same thing. Now, we'd sit there all that time and never say a word to each other. He had his razor right next to him and his Vicksalve and whatever he wanted. He had his little domain there. But you're right. His finger-pointing was a, a great statement.
1: Oh, yes, and, and you could get in the car. He he would even suggest that you get in the car and go with him to someplace. A lot of times we'd go 20 miles, 25 miles, never say a word. Mm. Never say a word. Just didn't talk. Mm. If he had something to say, you better listen, though. But other than that, yes, a very quiet guy.
0: Mm. Well, the Brownings didn't take after him. (laughs) Our problem was, if you get in the car, you never got in the car by yourself. You never got in the car with just one other person. Mom and Dad had eight children. Most of the time, five or six of them were still at home. So when you got in the car, it was mass confusion. And fortunately, there there were no seatbelt laws.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, man, no, that'd be difficult, stacked on top of each other, couple on the hood.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We could probably lay flat on the uh, seat and everybody lay on top, you know, and do that. But there was a lot of fun and a lot of laughing going on. I can never remember Mom and Dad getting mad at us for horseplay or talking too much. Did you ever get in trouble?
1: No, but um, we would have... My mom and dad had some couples that they ran around with, and each of the couples had a couple of kids. And so their big thing for entertainment in the time was to go to someone's house and they'd have a spaghetti dinner, and then uh, the grown would play Pinochle. And us kids would play in uh, the kids, other kids' rooms and everything, and music and everything. And if we got a little bit loud, I would always suggest to the kids they not get too loud because... If they do, well, the parents are going to come in here, and we're going to be in trouble. If we got a little bit too loud, and if my dad heard my voice, he would come from wherever he was playing cards. He would just walk in the room and open the door and look at me, just smile, looked at all the kids, and shut the door and went back. And it got very quiet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: That said a lot, didn't it?
1: Yes, it did. It always did.
0: Yes. Okay, visualize all the people in your life, living and dead. If you could sit down and have a 30-minute conversation with one person, who would you choose?
1: Mm. Well, it's funny that you said that because today I was doing something and um, oh, a picture popped up out in the garage of my mom and dad and they were both smiling. Absolutely. They look like, I guess Kathy, um, Lynch, yeah, uh, had taken the picture, and she must have said something to him that was funny because my mom is looks like she's just about to cackle, and my dad's really smiling a lot. And I thought I'd just really like to talk to the two of you today, but for some reason, uh, my Ma Pete, my Ma Pete, my great, great grandmother. If I was to talk to somebody now, it would be to her and probably my uh, grandpa, uh, Neil. My grandma, Ma Pete. We didn't call her grandma. She was Ma Pete. Mm -hmm. And my great-grandpa was Paul Pete. But she was, oh, a pistol. I mean, she could burn... pain off of a barn with her language sometimes and she was funny and she played the piano by ear and i think now that the age i am i would love to ask her different things because when she was in the nursing home and she was losing her mind just a little bit uh when i would go see her she'd ask me where where did you tie up the horse well that just you know i could sit and talk to her and leave her on for hours trying to find out more. She lived in a little town outside of Benton in Macedonia, and she said, did you ride all the way in? Well, did you water the horse? Well, where did you tie it up? Well, which horse did you come on? So she was back in her time where you rode a horse to town or a mm. buggy, you know. Mm. And, uh, yeah, she was a pistol. I really like, she was a great cook. She made the best dumplings in the whole wide world. Mm. mm. Mercy.
0: Let's try to revisit that kind of cuisine. Mm-hmm. Of course, if I, uh, you know, if I went through the list, uh, Dad and I had some great conversations, and especially when we were running while he was corner and sheriff, we would be out driving the highways and byways. And uh, of course, my mother was my uh, thesaurus and my speller and my grammarian, my grammarian because she was um, very good in all those things. And I love talking with her. But, you know, the one person I think if I could choose, I would like to sit down for 30 minutes with my brother Kenneth. Hmm. Kenneth died whenever he was 70 years old. And he was a relatively young man. Kenneth got married whenever I was a small boy and on the farm. And so, therefore, we had very little time on the farm to, to visit and the other six siblings I have, as you know, I talk to virtually every week. We've had every kind of conversation with the other six of my siblings that you could possibly have. Don and I had a long conversation just, uh, I guess it was yesterday. And uh, we were talking about uh, the election and everything, of course, Don is a right-wing Republican idiot, and uh, so therefore, me being a left-wing uh, idiot. Democrat idiot, um, we, we idiots get together and we act like idiots. But Kenneth was uh, the subject of many questions that I've had throughout life about his life and about what he was thinking. He had a quite an eventful life. And I never did get the opportunity to sit down with Kenneth and find out what he felt. Now, I imagine we had conversations of what he thought, very smart, very, very intelligent, could quote any section of the Bible, any part of the Bible, and know where it was and what it meant. And graduated from high school in three years and went on to college and graduated with all kinds of honors, won the Franklin County Spelling Bee and won a scholarship to the University of Illinois Good boy. yeah so proven himself but I just like to know what he felt about things a powerful hardcore Democrat I would like to hear what uh, what he thought about the situation today so that would be one trip revisited that would really really be memorable for me
1: you said something to me a while ago. What was the best age that I have been in? I have been very happy with every age. I'm not too happy with this one. <laughs> I'm not too happy with this one, um, but that's because I'm getting older and I can't do as much as I've always wanted to do. Or maybe I can do as much, but the consequences aren't as bad. I'm not you know, used to bathing my hands and uh, CBD oil so I can or have you open a bottle for me. I don't like that but each age that I went through and each vent that I went through uh, whether they were good or bad were all special and very meaningful. So even when I went through having cancer later in life it's funny how tragic it would be and I certainly wouldn't want to go through it again But at the same time, the exchange I got back from that and the appreciation of life and family and things like that certainly were enhanced in just how you looked at the world and really made a difference. So I've had a wonderful life. Mm.
0: You and I talk about it all the time. You and I lived in the best of times in America. My 81 years have been a period of time whenever... The opportunities were just unbelievable, and all you had to do is just go out and get them. And I can't feel that assured that it will continue.
1: No, that is the sad part. That part and um, the part about how we grew up as kids. As you say, we had the best. There wasn't any fear. There wasn't any big pressure put on you, I don't think, you know. And maybe that was just my life and your life. I'm sure there was a lot of kids that had a lot of pressure to do more, to do better, to do the best, mistreated, that kind of thing. Everything was a happy event when I was growing up.
0: My favorite age
1: was nine
0: and a half. You know why?
1: You don't really have to pick an age. You're still nine and a half. (laughs) I had always wished when I married you that you were so cute at nine and a half. And then 10 years passed, 20 years passed, and I thought, wonder what he'd be like at 10. Then we went through kind of like, I thought you got up there around 13 and you were a brat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but now you're back to nine and a half, so mm-hmm. you're just a cute little boy.
0: That's my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. I love you, darling. Thank yeah. you for this podcast. You're listening to the retired rotors. Before too long, we're hoping to get on the road. But my gosh, Evelyn, this coronavirus!
1: I know. I'm like you. I, I thought no, 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 and then I thought, I don't know. I'm beginning to. I'm getting more like you. I, I'll take my chances on some things, but to get out and run to it, I don't know. Yeah. We we'll just play it by ear. It's all we can do.
0: My problem is, uh, I know that you and I can be safe whenever we camp the way we camp because we can control our environment. But if we get into a situation where either of us contracts the virus, then we'll be in because we'll go either up to John's at Monterey or we'll go to Illinois. We're going to be in the hot spots where we may not even have a room in a hospital They may not be available, and certainly if they are, we would be among strangers, and the way they're checking out who they're going to treat and who they're not going to treat, they'd roll us directly to the uh, morgue.
1: Oh, I guess I understand that, but yeah, they say the beds are all getting full again, and when that happens, you know, they have to make decisions. I wouldn't want to be those people. That must be something that you kind of stays with you the rest of your life. The doctors, oh yeah, you know they have to have to finally say, I start to say they can't say out loud to the person, well, you know, you're old and you probably won't recover. And I would want to say, well, just because I'm old doesn't mean I won't recover. You know, I'm strong. They have to decide, and I, doctors are not supposed to have to do that. Mm-hmm. They do everything they can to make you well, and if they can't do that, I mean, they don't decide before they try. It's got to be really heavy for them.
0: I can hear them say, uh, take him to the <laughs> yeah. you know How do you spell morgue?
1: I don't know, but I think <laughs> you would him, know. Take what him they to they the end. M. They probably yeah. wouldn't say morgue. They'd say, take him to the refrigerator truck. Yeah. <laughs> yes, something yeah. like that. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Get him some air conditioning. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> Take him to the blue room. <laughs> you go, Blue yeah. on the blue room. Do my dad's thing. They just point. <laughs> yeah. they, point the they don't want to say anything to upset you. So, yeah. yeah, so, well, you know, we'll just play it by ear.
0: That's when we dial one, dial one, nine hundred, cremation.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> we should do that right away.
0: Oh no! Let's wait till we die.
1: <laughs> we well, we can't do it then. Oh. You, you want the kids to pay for it? <laughs>
0: they no, wouldn't. No, I've yeah. already. I've got it. I've got it in my cell phone. All you got to do is pull up cremations and dial it. Now, nothing's paid for. Oh well. <laughs> but it's only pocket change. It's only five five hundred and forty dollars well, for the complete tell you, package.
1: Tell on the farm. They'll never know when that big barrel heats up out there that they're cremating their parents.
0: They take care of everything for five forty. So. You don't know what they're doing with you. I mean, they—they
1: they don't get the ashes from the body.
0: No, that—that—that costs another three hundred dollars.
1: Joe, <laughs> I gotta have something.
0: Well, here's the thing: if it's you, <laughs> uh, they can take you for five forty, and I'll just get an urn and fill it full of dirt. You there know. You are.
1: Well, you know, I have my dad's ashes. I have a a few of those left. And everyone kept saying, why are you keeping those? And I said, well, for some reason, I just thought when mom passed away then that I would put a few of her ashes in there. And everybody looked at me kind of strange and said, don't do that to Papa." I said, well, but I haven't done it. I think about that. I left my mom's ashes there, too. I hope people are taking care of them.
0: I can imagine you opening that urn of your dad, getting ready to pour Betty in on top of him, and him hollering, no,
1: no, please. Oh, I know. Well, he, did I flush a her. he did have a little peace and quiet to, <laughs> before she got there. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I think people are afraid to talk about death. But, uh, you know, when we talked about it before you were talking about you. you thought it was a good idea to get a crematory all, all lined up. But your statement was so that whenever you die, Joe, (laughs) all the details are taken care of. Yeah, I don't
1: want to spend any money. (laughs) No. Yeah.
0: We're going to sign off here and uh, tell everybody, get a good night's sleep. And uh, remember, in lieu of flowers, (laughs) send money.
1: Send money to the kids. They need it.
0: (laughs) Love you, darling. Love you, too. Good night.
1: Good night, Joe.